0: remember I have a teaching background and when your mother and I used to teach in Zimbabwe we would teach from 7 in the morning to 7, 8, 9 9 9 p.m. every day just be talking and you could not have us talking unless if you had paid us that's how important it was Uh, so that was part and parcel of the training to become a preacher so anyway let's do the more important business first the more needful business which is Christ Christ is the reason for all things he created all things by his own power and for his glory including ourselves, even more so our salvation, it is all to the glory of his name. So we are going to go before the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing upon the word that is given me to share here with everyone and anybody for whom the message has come because of the situation that we have at hand. Okay, so let's go before the Lord and ask for his blessing our dear heavenly father lord we bless you in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ we thank you lord because you're worthy of all glory and honor for you created all things and even us whom you have served by christ jesus whom you revealed in the flesh who was tempted in all things Just like us and yet without sin. Christ Jesus, our high priest, our advocate, our intercessor. Christ Jesus who has loved us with an everlasting love. The Christ who has revealed himself to us by his spirit through the teaching of the gospel. Lord, we honor you for this hour that you've appointed for us to come to gather this place in this house That we may hear not from me, for I do not cause anything. I'm only but a messenger in your hand. And Lord, may you profit your word that you have given me for the sake of your name. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're here in Madison, Wisconsin. And this is the first time that I've been this far up north of Chicago, Ellen and I have visited Chicago many times before in the past years when we had some two friends of ours who were living there and working there. But we are here today on account of a dearest sister and friend, Shingi. We have been the best of friends since 1994, when we first met at the University of Zimbabwe as freshmen in the chemistry department, and we thought we had met just for chemistry and copying each other's assignments, but the Lord was pleased to unite us in more than just our interest in chemistry, but in eternal matters. In things concerning Christ, and so Ellen and I determined when we heard about a sickness, determined to do a surprise visit for her encouragement and ours also, and share whatever understanding the Lord has been pleased to share with me and with you and everyone who shall hear. And for us to really understand spiritual things because the things that happen in the physical have their beginning in the spiritual. Everything begins in the spiritual before it manifests in the physical. That is why before anything was created there was only God who existed and God is spirit. It is he who spoke and everything Happened, Even as Job was having his trials, what was manifesting in the physical was actually happening first in the spiritual. So for us to really understand anything, we have to go back to the spiritual. And to go back to the spiritual, you won't get an understanding unless you go by the knowledge of Jesus. Because only Jesus knows everything. Only Jesus knows. There's nobody else who knows anything. Only Jesus knows. Because he's God. So, we are going to go into the book of John. In John chapter 11. And we are going to go verse by verse. Exposition. Because when we do that, with regards to Jesus, We are very safe. Our understanding of anything and everything, of sickness, of death, is only informed as much as we understand what Jesus is saying. So we are very safe. The believer is always safe. Always in good company where Jesus is. So even this afternoon we are in good company Because the Lord said where two or three are gathered in his name, there he will be also. And we shall now go to our text in John 11 to a very familiar story. The story of Lazarus and his sickness and his sisters and what the Lord did to raise him from the dead. And we are going to go verse by verse, and then I will expound the verse as we go through the text. And we'll begin at verse 1. Apostle John, by the Holy Spirit said, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. So we are here introduced to a man called Lazarus. He was from Bethany, a village about two miles out of Judea, very close to Jerusalem. And Bethany may have been a subdivision or suburb than an entire city, but that's not the issue. The Lord would have us to know that this is where Lazarus was from. And this was the town of Mary and Martha, who were sisters and were also sisters to Lazarus. So Apostle John continued to develop and give us more information about the family and said in verse 2, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And that occasion, Happened in John chapter 12, verse 1 to 10, where Mary anointed the Lord with very expensive perfume. And we know that this Mary was a hallowed, she was a prostitute, a prostitute in the company of Jesus. And she had used her expensive oil That she had purchased from her prostitution business using proceeds from her prostitution business. And yet it was acceptable to Jesus. Even the Lord said, This woman has anointed me for burial. And such testimony of a prostitute bringing proceeds from a business of prostitution for the sake of Christ would not be acceptable to religious men and women who are quick to say. This man, this is a conversation that happened. If you go to the book of Luke, it gives us more detail of the encounter of Jesus with this prostitute. And the people who were there, had some opinions to share about what had just happened. This is what they said. This man, talking about Jesus, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. She is a harlot. How can a man who is supposed to be a prophet of God allow Himself to be in the company of a sinner, of a prostitute like Mary. But this is what Jesus said to the Pharisees Therefore I say to you, his sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. That is Luke 7, verse 47. And Jesus was in the house of the one Simon the Pharisee where he had been invited for dinner. So this is where that it happened. So we have our encounter with Mary, the sister of Lazarus, there in that context. But the sisters have a problem, they have a serious problem that has befallen them their brother Lazarus had suddenly fallen sick. And seeing the deteriorating condition of their brother, they sought for the help of the Lord Jesus. And that means this family was already very close to the Lord Jesus before this happened. And they generally knew about his whereabouts. Because we know that Jesus used to come and dine and hang out with them. And at one time, Martha got overwhelmed and got distracted with the cooking, with the preparations for Jesus and his disciples. That she rebuked Jesus. She rebuked the Lord and said, Lord, do you not care? that I am so overwhelmed by all these preparations for you and your disciples. And yet my sister is right there with you, just sitting at your feet and learning from you. Could you please tell her to come help me with the dishes? (laughs) Come help me cut the onions. Yeah? Come to help me. For which suggestion the Lord Jesus rebuked Martha and said, Martha, 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 you are worried and troubled about many things. You are troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is needful for Mary has chosen the good part we shall not be taken away from her only one thing is needful one thing is necessary and Mary your sister who is sitting at my feet and learning from me has chosen that which is necessary and that you say everything said and done there's only one thing that is needful for us to learn from Jesus. To hear from Jesus. And may the Lord help us. Not to get distracted. With the preparations. Of things. For Jesus. Because Martha. Was busy preparing things for Jesus. And Jesus says no. Hear what I have to say to you. The needful things are the things that Jesus has and is speaking to us, not the things that we do for Jesus. But back to John 11, what did the sisters do with the developing situation, with the sickness that they had at their hands? Verse 3, John
1: 11.
0: Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, Lord, he whom you love is sick. The sister sent to Jesus a telegram message. If they had cell phones, they would have sent a WhatsApp message. A WhatsApp message to Jesus. <laughs> they have a WhatsApp messaging group with Jesus. But sincerely, this is not even a joke. This was a text message to Jesus by way of a person they sent someone to inform him of the sickness, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Lord, the one whom you love is sick. Did you see that this was a prayer message? Did you see how short the prayer was to Jesus? Because Jesus is going to act on that prayer of just one sentence. Lord behold, him whom you
1: love is sick. They did not say he's sick from what?
0: They did not say he ate some bad food last night. They did not say, please come and heal him. They just said, Behold, the one whom you love is sick. As to what Jesus would do with the sickness was up to him. But they just wanted him to know. They just wanted him to know. But this was a cry for help. Because it was not the message of, well, Lord, can you Come tomorrow, we have some free food. We have the barbecue ready for you tomorrow. No, the one that you love is sick.
1: Verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness
0: is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So the message, the title of our message is verse 4. That's the title of our message. Sickness not unto death. Sickness not unto death. And that is to say Jesus had the message. It got to him. But Jesus did not hear the message from the messenger. He already knew about the sickness of Lazarus before the messenger was sent. Otherwise, how could he have known that the sickness of Lazarus was not going to kill him? He had some insider information. Jesus did not have a stethoscope and thermometer and a COVID test kit for Lazarus. (laughs) No COVID test kit. But he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This was Jesus' response to the messenger that had been sent by the sisters. And in the hearing of the disciples, the sickness was not unto death. This sickness has no power over the one whom it seems to have overtaken. That's what Jesus is saying. This sickness has no power over whom it seems to have overpowered. You may think that you have been overpowered, but not according to Jesus. Sickness has no power over anyone. If Jesus has heard about the sickness, But Jesus tells us why this sickness is not unto death. This sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God. That Christ himself, the Son of God, may be glorified through it. It is for the glory of God. And that means Jesus knew all along about this situation. So if This sickness is for God to be glorified through the Son. It means God was behind it. This is how he chose to be glorified. It means this was not the devil's idea. Because God does not seek glorification through the ideas given him by the devil but his own ideas. Ephesians tells us that he works all things by the counsel of his own will. He does not consult anyone for ideas. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying we should not attribute trying circumstances
1: to the devil, but to God himself. Because God's hand Is in it.
0: But God's hand is in it. Not for punishment. Not for punishment of the sick. But to be glorified. Through the salvation that shall come. And we know this to be true. Also from John chapter 9. The disciples asked Jesus. About the man born blind. And they said teacher. Who sinned this man or his parents that he should be born blind? Who sinned this child? According to them, there was a possibility that this child sinned when he was still in the belly of his mother. (laughs) And Jesus said, What? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this has happened. To the glory of God through the Son. And what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying the blindness, the sickness, had nothing to do with anything wrong that the person did. It had nothing to do. It was not punishment.
1: But came for the glory of God.
0: And that is the matter of sin. Sin did not come on earth by accident. I know it's taught that way in a lot of places because God has not granted them the ability to understand spiritual things. Sin was God's eternal purpose to be glorified through Christ Jesus as he saved his people from their sins. Without sin, there's no cross. And the cross was always in God's might from eternity. So Christ Jesus shall be glorified in all our trials as he shall be glorified in our salvation. Hear this, verse 5. John 11. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. That is some glorious testimony to have a record that Jesus loved them. Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He loved them all, and he loved them individually. And it seems to me that the sisters were single, and Martha being the oldest of them. It is just my speculation, but it seems like Martha was the oldest of the three. But what we need to know is that Jesus loved them. But how is that even possible? How is it that the one that Jesus loves gets sick? Do you see the problem with that? That the one that Jesus loves gets sick? Because you're going to hear this in John chapter 11, that the messenger came with the message that the one whom we love is sick. And now John tells us that Jesus loved them. And we're going to hear later in the chapter. People saying, oh, how he loved him. How is it that the one that Jesus loves gets sick? Not the one who loves Jesus. (laughs) Not the one who loves Jesus, but the one that Jesus loves. You see, there are people who say, Or Christians don't get sick. Or Christians who get sick is because of lack of faith. Or maybe they're not saved. But that is false testimony. John does not agree with that. Jesus loved Lazarus. And yet Lazarus got sick. And yet Lazarus died. It not change a thing. And some may even say, oh, we don't really know if Lazarus, Mary and Martha were actually saved. And to me, that is a very arrogant statement to make. Because when you have Jesus coming and dining at your house, and coming and getting us this testimony, that he loved this family, and he loved them even individually. And to think that they were not saved is just being arrogant. If Jesus loves you, you are saved. And nothing will happen to you. But here it is, verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now this is one of the most unusual statements that you are going to hear from anywhere in and outside of the Bible. Pay attention to what has been said. Jesus loved Martha and Lazarus. Okay, check. I understand that. That makes sense. So, what is the next thing that happens when you hear that the one whom you love is in trouble? What is the natural reaction? This is an emergency situation, right? When Tawanda got his fingers cut last year, we were frantic calling 911 so that they could rush him to the hospital when Mawenam had an overdose of those pills. I don't know if you still remembers. <laughs> that was an emergency situation. But Jesus did the very opposite. He did not call the ambulance. Jesus did not call for an Uber or a taxi. And neither did he say to the disciples, okay, boys, we have had an unexpected emergency. And I think we have to change our plans, cut short our visit, get our bags ready, because we have to get going. Not the taxis. So when he had that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Jesus stayed two more days in the place where he was when the message got to him. Now, that doesn't sound like Jesus actually heard what the messenger said. Because if I come and say, this is an emergency situation. You need to get on the bus. You you have to fly. You have to do what needs to be done to be there. Not Jesus. Jesus, you do not do that to those that you love. You need to hurry up, lest something bad happens to them, and it will be your loss. Hurry up, bring the ibuprofen. Bring the aspirin. No, the text says Jesus stayed two more days. It looks like, sounds like, he did not have the bus fare. But this was a divine delay. This divine delay was purposeful by Jesus. It was not for a lack of love Because we have already been told. That he loved them. So God brings difficult situations. And it may seem. That our prayers. Are not reaching him. And it may seem like he doesn't care. But the reason being that. It is because he loves. That he delays That he stays in the same place two more days. It is because that he loves that our request is delayed.
1: This new teaching, a lot of people have never heard of this Jesus.
0: Remember, also, when Job got in trouble, Job did not get in trouble because of anything that he had done. If you go and read Job chapter 1, you're going to hear that it was God who brought Job to the attention of the devil. He says, I have this servant. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. A man who fears God. Who shuns evil. A righteous man.
1: And Job got in trouble
0: because God was saying very good things about him. <laughs> That's you new teaching again. You never heard that? God was saying very good things about Job. And saying, oh, there's none like him. And the devil said, well, of course, Job worships you. Because of all these wonderful things that you have done for him. You have prospered his hands. You have made him prosperous. That's why he worships. Allow me opportunity to go touch on his things. Touch his health. Touch his economy. Touch his life. And see him change his testimony. And God says, okay, let's see. I'm going to grant it to you. And you know how the story went. But my point is that, that is how trouble came to Job. It was not because of anything wrong that he has done. Not that Job was not a sinner. Yes, Job was a sinner. But the thing that happened to him had nothing to do with this sin. And so many of the things that happen to us, the trials that come into our life, are not necessarily because we have done anything wrong. There's a reason behind it that only God can help us to understand. Verse 7, John 11. Then after this he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. So apparently Jesus and his disciples had recently been in Judea. And now they have to go back there again. And Judea was always a place of trouble for Jesus because of the Jews and the Pharisees. Brother that's where you had Jerusalem. Verse 8. The disciples say to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Are you going there again? Is saying, Jesus, are you really out of your mind? Knowing what just happened in the past few days? How the Jews have been plotting to put you to death, to stone you? So the disciples counsel the Lord about going back to Judea saying that was a bad idea because the last time it was not a good experience. They would rather have Lazarus to die. So, Lord, do not go there and die. We do not want you to die. That's what they're saying. They are saying, Jesus, we do not want you to go to Judea and die. Because Lazarus is not really worth your time and your life. We still need you here with us, safe with us in our hideout. you doing the miracles that you are doing and feeding us the free food. Verse 9. Jesus answered. Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Are there not twelve hours in the day?
1: Is saying, Light has
0: an appointed time after which it becomes darkness and that if one should walk, they should walk in the day so that they do not stumble because they see the light of this world. And that means Jesus is making a comparison and tying it to himself. The Lord is saying the light, the sun that we see, the sun of this world is a picture of the sun who is the Lord Jesus. And just as the sun has an appointed time for the 12 hours in the day, it rises and it sets in the 12 hours and then darkness comes. So the Lord Jesus came in his appointed time as the light of the world. And that appointed time of light was going to pass through. And then darkness would again set in. And Jesus says, he is the spiritual light that was walking with them to provide light for them so that they would not stumble if they were to go to the darkness of this world, to the darkness of the Jews, to the darkness of sin, to the darkness of the devil. But they have to appreciate that the time of darkness was also appointed as the night was appointed. The daylight has been appointed of God to be 12 hours. Even the time of darkness, the time even of our trials, they are also appointed. Because after the darkness, what follows next morning is the light. So even when you are in the time of darkness, know that there's going to be light. Not be light, we are not going to keep walking in darkness, especially if we are walking with Jesus. So, anyone who walks without Christ is walking in darkness, and they shall surely stumble because the true light is not in them. The true light is not in them. Verse 11 These things he said, and after that he said to them. Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Jesus addressed Lazarus as our friend. Well known and loved even by the disciples. Jesus says Lazarus is our friend. He belongs with us. He belongs with the community of God's people. But he is sleeping But I go that I may wake him up. Yes, he is our friend, but I'm the one who goes to wake him up from his sleep. Pay attention to that. Jesus said, see the transition from the plural to the singular. Lazarus is our friend, but I go to wake him up. (laughs) You are not going to help me to wake him up. Collectively, he is in our company, but I go. Because the waking up of people is the power of Christ alone. So you do not help me. This is my business of raising sinners from the dead. See that at this point, Jesus knows that Lazarus was dead. He did not get another message. No one sent him another text message to say, oh, by the way, Lazarus is dead now. He knew. How? Because he was God in the flesh. Jesus does not get information from man. When we pray, we are not giving God information because he knows all things. God never sleeps. God never gets too busy. Okay? His internet never runs out. <laughs> you don't drop signals when it comes to God. So we are not providing him information. First off, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. The disciples did not get it, they have a misunderstanding of what Jesus meant by sleeping. And this way of writing, you find in the book of John, a literal device that Jesus and John recorded. And if you still recall, in the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Jesus said, you must be born again. And to the Samaritan woman in John 4, Jesus said, give me water to drink. And then he began to talk about the water that he gives. And the woman says, Well, sir, you have nothing with which to draw. So where do you get this water? (laughs) I don't see any bucket. And Nicodemus says, Well, look at me, Jesus. I am too old to go back into my mother's womb. How can a grown man like me be born again? My mother is too old to carry another pregnancy. Jesus. <laughs> they did not understand spiritual things.
1: Yeah? So,
0: the disciples did not understand what Jesus is saying. They think Lazarus is taking a nap. And they say, well, if he's just taking a nap, leave him alone. He'll get well. He'll get up. We just hope that he did not take too many sleeping pills. Too much melatonin. Yeah? He should just be fine. But John helped us and said, verse 18, However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So Jesus spoke plainly Of what he meant. And that is the matter. Of the gospel. Unless the Lord God. By his spirit. Speaks plainly to us. Or to anyone. We cannot hear. We cannot understand. Spiritual matters. God. Is interested. In spiritual things. And so we have to be prayerful and we have to be careful to make sure we do not make too much physical deductions like the disciples were saying. But Jesus says, verse 15, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe, nevertheless let us go to him. Jesus said, well, I am glad, I'm thankful that I was not there with Lazarus when Lazarus died. Because it was for your sake that you may believe. You see the connection. You see what, why Lazarus is in trouble. Lazarus is in trouble that these may believe. That you may believe. I'm glad. Believe the things that I have spoken and speak about myself that I am the Son of God, that I am the Christ who has come into the world.
1: And that is saying, life happens, trials happen
0: to those around us that we may see God's power and faithfulness through those trials. That's what Jesus is saying. So Jesus delayed two more days to come to where Lazarus was sick, in trouble. But why? Because as we shall learn, if Jesus had been there, Lazarus would not have died because a person cannot die where Jesus is. There's no record in the Bible. You can go and study it. There's no record in the Bible of a person dying in the presence of Jesus. Not a single one. There's not a person who ever died recorded in the Bible who died in the presence of Jesus. Because where Jesus is, there is always life. <laughs> so much that if I recall even on the cross, It was Jesus who died first. Even on the cross, it is Jesus who departed first. So to be in Christ and to be possessed of Christ
1: is to be possessed of life. Life
0: that cannot be taken away. Not by sickness. Not by death. And that means death has no power over you and anyone and everyone who is in Christ.
1: Christ in you. Yeah?
0: The hope of salvation. Verse 16. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. From nowhere, Thomas comes and says, come on guys and let us Let us also go that we may die with Jesus. But Thomas is thinking, if Jesus goes to Judea, he surely is going to be stoned to death. And Thomas, in his devotion to Christ, says, let us go and die with him. Die with Christ. Thomas is sure that if Jesus goes back to Judea, He shall surely die. And Thomas spoke more than he understood because those who are friends of Jesus, those who are loved of Christ, died with him on that cross and resurrected with him. We died with Christ and resurrected with him. And Thomas says, let's go and die with him. God is preaching his gospel through Thomas, even though Thomas does not understand the import of what he was saying. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb how many days? Four days. So by the time that the Lord made it to Mother and Mary's place, Lazarus had already been buried And this was what Jesus actually intended to happen. Let us see. Verse 18 and 19. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. So many of the neighbors, the Jews had joined the sisters to comfort them concerning their brother Lazarus, on account of his death. Verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Big sister Martha heard that Jesus was coming. Jesus was easy to notice because of his entourage with his disciples. So she went and met him. Whilst Mary was sitting in the house with those that had come to comfort her. Verse 21, then Mother said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See that? Mother was correct. If Jesus had been there, Lazarus would not have died by reason of his presence or by way of his healing power. But truthfully, Jesus was not limited by distance. Jesus did not need to be there for Lazarus not to die. Jesus did not need to come to their house to heal or raise Lazarus from the dead because we know that Jesus healed the centurion's servant from a distance. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come into my house. Just speak the word and my servant shall be well. The Syrophoenician woman and a daughter, she also was healed remotely by Jesus. Verse 22. But even now, Martha says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And that is some really excellent words of honor of Christ from the lips of Mary, of Martha, So, Martha trusts and knows that whatever the Lord Jesus asks of God, God will give it to him. And in this particular context, Mother is saying, I know that if you would ask for the life of my brother back, God will grant it to you because God always hears you. God always hears Christ Jesus. He hears the intercession, the supplication of Christ Jesus. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, Your brother will rise again. Your brother shall rise again. But when, verse 24, Mother said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Mother is all the Jews of the day who believed in the resurrection had a linear eschatology and that means they understood that the resurrection of the dead would only happen in the last day in the judgment, when all men, the dead, and the living would all be gathered together by God for judgment. That's what she believed. So she had no hope at this point of ever seeing her brother again. But let us hear what Jesus had to say about that. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Jesus said, The resurrection is not scheduled on a particular day. Your hope of the resurrection is not on the day of resurrection, but on the person who causes the resurrection, who is the resurrection and the life. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the end of days. I am the last of days. I am what was supposed or what is supposed to happen at the end of the days, the future has come into the present. Life has come into the present. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And that is a very boastful and unapologetic Statement from Jesus, the one who believes in me about what God has said about me. Though they may succumb
1: to even death itself, they shall live. In other words, the physical death has
0: no power over them. The grave shall not have power over them. Condemnation shall not have power over them because the same Jesus said, the one who believes in me is passed from death unto life and shall not come into the judgment. That's Jesus in John 5.24. And so a believer's death, according to Jesus, is not a calamity. It actually issues in a new life. (laughs) It's the beginning of a new and better life. In fact, the life of a believer is of such a quality that he will never die. The believer never dies. This is from Jesus. And I think We have to go with the testimony of Jesus. It seems like Jesus knows what he's talking about. The believer has eternal life. They have it here and now. They possess it. And the end of their physical life is only the end of this physical body, of this flesh, but it is not the end of their life. But their life never ends. Jesus says, verse 26, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? To the one who died, believing in Christ, like Lazarus, he shall also live. But what about the one who has not died? If they believe in him, they shall never die. Yeah? Because Jesus, through Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians 5 eight, says we are confident. Yes, well-pleased rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. For the believer absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When believers die, it is their bodies that sleep. The soul does not sleep. It is alive and it goes to be with the Lord in its consciousness. And the Lord said to mother, Do you believe this? And we ask everyone in our hearing the same question. Do you believe these words of Jesus? Because sometimes we can complicate the gospel. But this is how the Lord taught his people the truth. By just asking a question. Do you believe this? Because apart from the Holy Spirit, you cannot believe this. Apart from God causing it, you cannot believe this. Verse 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. Martha answered in the affirmative and said, Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. And that is a very important testimony that we should not minimize at all because the Lord Jesus said no one can come to him and no one can know him unless they've been taught of God and no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Okay, Christ has to be revealed to us by God. Verse 28 And when she had said these things she went away And secretly called Mary a sister saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. So mother went into the house and signaled secretly without drawing attention and said, The teacher has come and is calling for you. See, the teacher has come. Because Jesus was about teaching. The Lord spent much of his time teaching and not healing people. And so people are playing games in the church when they do not spend time teaching, teaching the doctrine of Christ. There's no Jesus who is not teaching about himself. (laughs) If anyone claims to be from Christ, they have to bring the doctrine of Christ. They have to teach what Jesus taught. Verse 29. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him and came to Jesus. Mary arose with a sense of agency when she heard that the Lord had come. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town but was in the place where Martha met him. So Jesus was still waiting outside in the periphery of their homestead where he could not be easily seen or spotted by the many people who had gathered at Mary and Mother's place. So Jesus was still on the outskirts of their homestead. Verse 31. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly, and went out, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. The mourners who were gathered quickly
1: followed Mary, because I
0: think just how quickly she got up was not discreet. It gave the impression of someone who was in Too much emotional distress. Like she was going to go and commit suicide or something. So they quickly joined her. Thinking that she was so grief stricken. That she was going to go to Lazarus' grave and mourn there. Verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet saying to him. Lord. If he had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary worshipped the Lord. See that. She fell down at his feet. That's worshipping. And she said the same thing that the big sister had said to the Lord, saying, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. If only you had been here, this calamity that has befallen us would not have happened. Therefore, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. So Mary's grief was amplified at the seeing, at the sight of Jesus, the one who loved them. And I remember this also myself. In 2008, when I went to Zimbabwe for my mother's funeral, I had not wept for her since I got to Zimbabwe. Went to see a body from the airport, and that was past midnight. Went to see her in the morgue, still did not weep. Saw my sister, saw my father. So my aunts did not weep. We went home to Glenview, still did not weep. But then later, in the early hours of the morning, I'm thinking it was probably after two in the morning, I went outside and I saw a certain uncle of mine, Uncle Anthony, who loved both my mother and myself, Uncle Anthony really loved me. I remember as far back as I remember my name. And when I saw him, the person that I had always known to love me, growing up, I broke down and wept for the first time. And that is what happened with Mary when she saw the Lord Jesus the one who had always loved her, she wept. So the burden of the passing of my mother was increased on me on account of my uncle as he saw my grief and helplessness and so with the Lord Jesus, we are told that he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Troubled by the grief that had come upon the ones that he loved. The Lord was troubled by the death of his friend and also troubled because Lazarus was only preaching what the Lord Himself was about to experience shortly. From the death of Lazarus, in a few days, Jesus is headed to the cross. Jesus is headed to the cross. That's why Thomas said, we want to go and die with you. So do not miss that point. And so as believers, we
1: ought also to be grieved
0: over those who are weeping for their loved ones. Grieved, not necessarily Because of death, but also because of sickness. Because sickness brings grief. All kinds of trying circumstances of life, they bring grief to our hearts. Because that was the pattern of the Lord Jesus, that is the pattern that is set for his people. Not to rejoice at the suffering of others. Not rejoicing at the troubles of others. Verse 34. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus says, John says, Jesus wept. The Lord wept for Lazarus. He shed tears
1: for Lazarus. He shed tears for his people. Tears did not begin
0: with us. Grief did not begin with us. It also affected the Lord Jesus. And tears speak to the grief of the Lord Jesus over what had overtaken his people. Tears spoke to his identifying with the suffering and the weaknesses of his people. And the writer of Hebrews Tells us this in Hebrews 4 14 and 16. He says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, Jesus was tempted in all points of the human experience and yet without sin. So there's nothing that we're going to tell Jesus about that he doesn't know about. And yet he did not sin. And because of that, the Holy Spirit says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may f- find mercy, that we may obtain help and find grace to help in time of need. Because the believer is always in the time of need. We are always need needful people. In need because of this world. In need because of sickness. In need because of strife, of fear. Of money issues, family issues. But the law says we have the Christ, our high priest, who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he was tempted in all things. He shed his own tears and yet without sin. So come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in the time of need as Mary came to the throne of grace to find help in the time of need the throne of grace is Christ himself come boldly to him because he is sitting on the throne of grace come boldly to him without any fear of rejection because he sympathizes with all our weaknesses and our troubles verse 36 Going back to John, then the Jews said, See how he loved him. Jesus wept publicly that even those mourners who were gathered saw it and they acknowledged it. And that was it. You do not have to hide your pain just because there's a crowd, or just because they are trying to be polite. You're trying to be very civilized. Even the son of God publicly showed his emotion, his vulnerability in the love of his own people that the Jews saw it and they acknowledged it and said, oh, how he loved him. And that was God's testimony of Jesus' love for Lazarus. But more than that, for all those that God has given to Christ. Verse 37. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? So now there were some who had questions for Jesus, even though speaking to themselves, amongst themselves. And this is something expected from such a crowd and such a situation. They think by Jesus weeping for Lazarus, he was showing helplessness in the face of death. Jesus seems to be helpless. Why is he mourning? Why is he crying? Is Christ being overcome by death? Because that's what we are acknowledging ourselves when we weep for our Loved ones, who have died. We are acknowledging our powerlessness in the face of death. But could this be true for Jesus? Could this be true for for Jesus? Could not this man, who opened the eyes of the blind, an impossible thing, also have kept this man from dying? The answer is, Yes, he could have. But for now, he did not because there was a reason that Lazarus should get sick and die. That God will be glorified through Christ. Because that is the reason for everything. That is the reason why certain things seem to have no answers or slow answers. It is not lack of ability on the part of God. Also, it is not that your your prayer is bad. It is not that you are praying in a way that God does not accept. It is just that there is a purpose that you don't understand. His glory. God is in the business of his glory. So if he delays, as we may call delay, it is purposeful. He has a reason for it. A good reason for it. Verse 38. Then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus comes to where Lazarus was buried. And a stone lay against the tomb of Lazarus to say Lazarus you cannot come out that's what the tombstone is about the stone is a picture of the law remember this is gospel preaching the stone is a picture of the law it is the testimony of the law against a sinner because the wages of sin is what? is death And the power of sin is in the law. The wages of sin is death. And the power of sin is in the law. And the soul that sins must die. And that is why every tombstone is made of stone. It is God preaching. God is preaching the cause of death. Sin because of the law. And now the law stands Laying on the tombstone of the dead, on the tomb of the dead. The law is standing against every sinner at their tomb to keep them under death and condemnation. To say you cannot come out, you cannot rise until and unless someone comes and fulfills it and rolls it away. And this happens, and this happened. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. What is the first thing that has to happen for a sinner to be saved? Jesus has to come to them. Jesus has to come where they are buried. They could be buried in the church. There are a lot of dead people in the church still. Jesus has to come. Jesus has to command for the stone to be removed. Take away the stone. That's what Jesus said. Take away the stone. Take away the law that condemns the sinner. Take away the law that condemns the sinner. Take away the heart of stone that causes them to be in unbelief. The heart of stone has to be taken away and is taken away by Jesus' command, not the command of the preacher. It's the command of Christ. Take away the stone. Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, that's verse 39, say to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench for he has been dead four days.
1: Martha says, It's too late, Lord. Why are you bothering yourself with this? It has been
0: four days since Lazarus died and is already stinking. Please do not open the tomb
1: and cause a stench. And Martha is saying,
0: It's too late. Your situation as it appears, is irrecoverable. Yes, the diagnosis is cancer. Yeah? Stage three. But the question is, what is the testimony that we're going to bring? Are we bringing the testimony of Martha? Who says to Jesus, Oh, it's too late. It's been four days, Jesus. It's been four days. It's been four days. Don't bother. That's what Martha said." saying. It's been four days. Don't bother. Stage three, don't bother. It is impossible, Jesus. Let's not even think about rolling the stone away. Leave him in there. But let Jesus speak. Let Jesus make the last words for you, not Martha. You don't want Martha to be your preacher. You want Jesus to be your preacher. Not the doctor, even not the doctor. Not anyone. Let Jesus speak. Let's see what Jesus says. First foot. Jesus said to you, Did I not tell you, <laughs> did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I have not been overpowered by the sickness, and death of Lazarus. Mother. I don't think you quite understood me when I talked to you. I told you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God. This is not about the situation, but it is about the glory of God. And God is too glorious to not glorify himself in any situation. That is the matter. Of salvation. Because even salvation is impossible with men. But if you believe. Jesus says you shall see.
1: The glory of God. Believe. Believe. Faith.
0: Verse 31. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. So what is the first thing they did? They took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying to say the condemnation of the law, the condemnation of sin. The law is the great stone that has to be removed from a man or woman before they can be saved. That is what Jesus came to do. And that's what Jesus is preaching. Christ came to roll away the stone that was on our tomb that we may live. He came to remove the curse. Christ became the curse for us. Yeah? That we may become the righteousness of God in him. So those who come and say, oh, believers are still under the law, are saying the stone is not yet rolled away. (laughs) They're saying the stone is still at the tomb and they're not telling the truth about Christ. Because when Christ shows up, his first command is roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. Remove the stone. Remove the condemnation of sin and death that is on the person. Verse 41 and going to 42. We have two more verses and we're done. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this that they may believe that you sent me. The Lord Jesus had already prayed about the situation. And he said, Father, I know that you always hear me. It's good to be. In the company of the one that God always hears. Father, I know that you always hear me. And none can say that about themselves before God. I could not come and say, God, I know you always hear me. Christ Jesus is always heard by the Father. And that means Christ Jesus is always granted all. His requests, everything that He asks of the Father, He gets. He asks for a people, He got a people. He asks for their salvation, He accomplished their salvation. So all that we have in Christ has come because of the intercession of Christ. Christ is our mediator, He is our intercessor. He ever lives to make intercession for us. So the Lord said, This is for the sake of these who are standing that they may believe that you are sent of the Father. Verse 43. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth.
1: Lazarus, come forth.
0: The MKJV. 1962 version translated as Lazarus here, outside. (laughs) I think that's the literal rendering of it.
1: Lazarus here,
0: outside. Lazarus here, outside. That is right. The Lord commanded and called Lazarus by his name For the Lord does not serve anyone without calling their name. He says he knows his sheep by name and he calls them by name. You see, Lazarus was in the graveyard. He was among
1: the dead. Jesus did not say, here outside, comfort. He said, Lazarus, comfort.
0: Because if Jesus says, here, outside, then the resurrection of all the dead in the graveyard would happen. So he brought a specific command to a specific person, Lazarus. And that's how he does things. That's how the Lord always does the matters of salvation. He says, Antoine, come forth. Here, outside. Ella, here, outside. Shing here outside. Gems <laughs> here outside. Now let's see as we end this message. What Lazarus said to Jesus. Did Lazarus say, Oh no, Jesus? Not right now. I was kind of busy here. Was enjoying my nap as the disciples said. Please stop disturb my disturbing my peaceful nap. Could you please come tomorrow sometime afternoon? I think I'll be ready to come. No.
1: He came out. He came out.
0: Verse 44. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. So that is the spiritual condition of all men and women. When Christ comes To quicken them. To make them spiritually alive. To cause them to be born again.
1: Christ finds us bound. Yeah? Foot. Hand and foot. The very
0: things that are useful. Your hands and your feet. Bound. With grave clothes. With burial clothes.
1: With condemnation. Burial clothes.
0: Condemnation. And Lazarus did not put the grave clothes on himself. It is the people who buried him. And much of the religion that you find in the many churches, so-called, is just a putting of burial clothes on other people. Embalming them. But to bury them. Not to make them alive, to bury them, which Jesus alone comes and commands for that false religion to be taken away from them. From that condemnation, the old grave clothes of Adam to be taken away. Christ the Son is He who comes and sets free those who were in prison. Prison of any kind. Prison of sin. Of death. Of condemnation. Of sickness. If Christ doesn't show up, nothing happens.
1: Christ will have to show up. Christ will have to speak it. If it's going to happen. And Jesus said, Loose him. And let him go.
0: Loose him. Set him free. Set him free and let him go. That's Jesus' gospel. It is for
1: freedom that Christ has set us free. Loose him and let him go. Loose her and let her go. To sickness, to
0: darkness, to blindness, to whatever things that God's people might find themselves That's Christ's command.
1: Loose him and let it go. Let's speak into freedom.
0: The law is not of freedom. The law is of bondage. The law is of grave clothes. But Christ is of freedom. Loose him. And we pray that Christ by his grace and mercy, will loose you, my sister, from this sickness. Because he has already set you loose on the real matters of your salvation. This is a small thing. This is a minor thing. That's the easy one. If he has spoken it, it will happen. We have been set free. Christ has set you free. You are not bound as you think. You're not bound as you feel. These things have no power over you. Whether it's sin, is sickness, is death, is condemnation, no power over you. You can give them power by forgetting the truth. That's why we came to remind you which things Paul said is needful to be reminded of the truth because we forget. We need to be reminded of the freedom that Christ has set us free. There's no curse that is on you. That's false teaching. <laughs> this has nothing to do with the curse. Because Christ has become the curse for us. That's why he was hung on the cross. Cursed the one who was hung on the cross. So loose him and let him go. He's saying, free from the law, free from condemnation, the stone has been rolled away from our graves. And you know the hymn, free from the law or happy condition, Jesus has bled and there's remission. Remission is language, Shingi, that you're going to be dealing with. Remission means cancellation. Remission is the same word that they use for cancer or any other disease that goes into remission. Even though you may carry it to one level, it is not condemning you to death anymore. So even with our sin, it is also in remission. We see our struggles, we sin on a day to day basis, but it is also in remission. <laughs> it shall not condemn us before God. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, Christ has redeemed us once for all. Christ has redeemed us once for all. All sinner, receive it. Once for all doubter, believe it. Cling to the cross and the burden will fall. Cling to the cross and the burden will fall. Christ has redeemed us once for all. My beloved sister, Shingrai, Dosa. God bless you. May he grant you strength. Because even those that Christ loves, they fall into sickness. Not because he has forgotten. Not because he did anything wrong. But for the glory of God. And we end with the same words of Jesus. Who we'll said, this sickness is not unto death. And I could come in that confidence I will not say that to you if we are an unbeliever of the gospel. I will not say that to you. But I have the confidence because of your testimony of Christ to say this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The Son of God will be glorified. And the Lord said again, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me Though he may die, he shall live. And to Shingi and everybody, the Lord says, do you believe this?
1: Do we believe that? The words
0: from the Lord Jesus. Okay? Amen. We are done. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you. We thank you for these many words that you have spoken to us by the testimony of Lazarus and his sisters, what had befallen them, their brother whom they loved, who had gotten sick and died. And bringing the message to the Lord, he seemed to not care, to have been delayed. And many times we feel the same way when the Lord does not answer us in the time that we think we need to be answered. But it's not because of tardiness. It's not because the Lord ignores us. It's because he has a purpose that we do not understand at the time of the suffering. And Lord, we pray that the sickness be unto the glory of the Son of God. His name be glorified in her. Name glorified in everything that shall come out of it. His name be glorified in all who shall hear about the faithfulness of the Lord. His name be glorified to those who are laughing and cheering and happy that she is in this situation. Lord, may you cause them to eat their words, swallow their words. Lord, we thank you for this family. We thank you for all those who are praying, who are helping, who are calling, sending messages of support, of encouragement. Lord, we pray for them that they do not tire of well-doing. Lord, be with this family, be with the children. May you encourage them, give them understanding of these many things that we have spoken. We pray also for Grandma. May you continue to encourage your heart. To trust in you, Lord, that you are the faithful one, and you have delivered us many times before, and you shall deliver us. And Shingi, remember, all the things that we've gone through together over the years, they were also for your testimony. And may be your testimony, may and may your testimony be also for us in this time. Lord, we honor you, glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.